0: Welcome to Broke Talk Podcast, where the mission is to help people recognize things that are broke and unabashedly talk about it. You can follow us on Instagram at Broke Talk Podcast. Hello, and welcome to this episode of Broke Talk Podcast. As usual, I am super excited that you're here, that you're listening, um, and that you have given me the time. If you have any feedback or comments or things that you want to hear about, please let me know. You can uh, email me at broketalkpodcast at gmail.com. So today we have Anthony Aldridge, who is the co-founder of Quad Advising. She also works full time as an attorney in corporate law. So, this is a very busy lady. I'm super excited to have her here to talk about Quad Advising, which is a nonprofit dedicated to helping Detroit students transition into life after high school, whether that's college or career. It's an amazing program. So, very excited to have you here. We also have another special guest today, which is her little dog, Sloan, who just could not help but be part of the conversation because it's that engaging. So thank you so much, Anthony. I am excited to talk to you. It's been a long time. I know. So let's just get into Quad advising. So what is
1: it? Okay, Quad is a, um, we are a 501c3 organization. We are headquartered here in Detroit, Michigan. And our mission is just simply to help students um, figure out and navigate life after high school. We want them to have a plan, whatever their plan is, whether it's going to be college or the workforce or the military, we just want them to have a plan that doesn't you know, involve doing nothing or sitting at home. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that's what we do. That's what we do.
0: That's awesome. And you um, help Detroit public school students or Detroit students.
1: Detroit, uh, Metro Detroit. Most of our students are public school students. Um, We've helped students who have been in private schools, students who have come from charter schools, you know, really, whoever needs help. uh, And I know we'll get into this a little bit later, but there's just a need for um, direction and college advising in terms of just post-academic, post-high school life. So we don't turn students away. Um, Mm -hmm. Since we've been a nonprofit, we have not charged a fee for our services. So everything has been completely free
0: oh that's awesome is it a team that guides these
1: um kids sure yeah originally it was just the co-founder and uh, i mean my co-founder uh yeah we had a very small board a working board is what we call it and so that just means that the board's contribution is some sort of work or work product that adds and helps to you know the mission or the programming of the organization um now we have a team, a bigger board, still pretty small, um, and a team of people who help with the programming, including an intern and a program coordinator.
0: Oh, that's awesome. So you, I saw it on your website. You help them with FAFSA application and then organization and yeah. other tips.
1: Sure. Yeah. All that stuff. Um, the really big thing I think students need help with is like essay writing and applying for scholarships, looking mm-hmm. for scholarships. There are so many scholarships out there um, and half of the work is just looking for them and finding them. And so we try to help students do that, cut out some of that um, work that you know it is to look for them based on their prospective majors based on the activities that they are involved in in high school. Um, you know, there's really a scholarship for everything. There are scholarships for people who are left-handed. There are scholarships for people who have lost parents, you know, who are police officers or firefighters or something like that. So yeah. um, when we do an intake for our students, we ask, you know, a lot of questions and it's just a matter of trying to get to know the student and be able to know how to best serve that student, the more I know about a student, um, the better I can say, oh, I know about a scholarship, or I can look for a scholarship directly for this thing, you know, or if I know that you're from a certain ethnic background, that helps inform, you know, what resources I can point you to, or where I may even look for, for certain resources.
0: Right. And there's so much, so I can see okay. how it'll be so overwhelming for the student. Yeah. Yeah. To- to look for themselves um so let's just dig into the why why did you start this
1: sure um so where do I start when I was in high school I didn't have any help at all (laughs) applying for college and I went to um one of the best high schools in the city I had great grades and I did really well in school um but I still had no direction in terms of you know how to actually apply for college, what does the process look like, um, how much it would cost, you know, all of these things that are really, really important. And my mother um, was a continuing education student. So she was actually in college um, when I was in high school. And she would take um, like a semester, she would take a class a semester just to get towards her degree, put towards her degree program because she had kids. So she wasn't able to go full-time and sometimes I'm part-time so she really wasn't in a position to help me either to apply because her her application process looked very different from what mine looked like as a high school senior Mm -hmm. Um, and so I had a counselor and I had um there were recruiters at that time who would come to the high school and you know they knew what students they wanted to recruit for their colleges or universities Um, and I had already had a relationship with the University of Michigan and um, so that it it was a pretty easy decision once the recruiter recruited me (laughs) Mm -hmm. and I was able I knew I was going to be a good fit for it Um, I had always loved university but again like the process right the applying the the financial aid part of it um, housing all that stuff I didn't have any guidance on. So fast forward to after I graduated from the University of Michigan, I knew I didn't want to go directly to law school, but I needed to do something that was going to be um, productive, you know, Mm -hmm. during my time off. And I also knew I wanted to be back in my community. I felt like I had been away from home for so long and I hadn't really had found a way to um, where I felt was substantial enough to give back to my community during those four years of undergrad. So I knew I wanted to come back home to Detroit and do work in the city. So I joined the College Advising Corps um, during the University of Michigan, which allowed me to be a college advisor in a high school in Detroit. Oh, and wow. So yeah, and so it was it was life-changing experience. Um, I met so many great students i you know literally still talk to half of them today um and they are most of them now have graduated college Mm -hmm. themselves so that's really exciting um so yeah i did that for two years i was a college advisor for two years and i loved it i loved it (laughs) i loved my students i loved the job um i also was able to see the need that it was for services like this because the role that i was in was a role created specifically for a college advisor from the University of Michigan, right? Mm-hmm. It wasn't a role that the high school just had. Right. Um, and so what I learned was a lot of high schools don't have this role. Oh my And God. so there is, you know, they have counselors mm-hmm. and they have teachers, but they're, they're ne- there's no one kind of in the middle to help guide the seniors or the juniors would navigate college access, the college access world you know the counselors are concerned with schedules they're concerned with graduation requirements they're concerned with kids home lives and you know mm-hmm. social worker you know th- there's no one who specifically focuses in the schools on getting the kid from a high school senior to a freshman at college okay. and and a lot of the of that is because of the resources that are being cut away every day from our school systems and so you know that's another paid job and it's a hard job it's not an easy job and it should be paid you know as such and so if a principal has to make a decision of do I pay my counselor or do I pay a college advisor they're going to pay the counselor right so that doesn't mean that may that may mean that there may not be a a budget for a college advisor in that high school but there's such a great need for it for these students so um, my role in my school I think at first it was kind of, um, they, they had a role. It wasn't, co- it wasn't a college advisor role. It was, I can't remember the name of it, but it wasn't quite what I was doing. Um, oh wow. And so when I got there and I was a college advisor and that's what I did, um, you know, I really had to come in and, and kind of show that the, my job was important, you know? And, um, I think by the end of my first year of college advising, I had made that mark and it It became very, um, apparent that this was a role that needed to be in the school permanently and that, um, you know, there was a need for it and it was important part part of the school of the school system. So I was a college advisor for two years. I, I serviced two classes, the class of 2015 and the class of 2016. And, um, I probably had, uh, over 300 students, that I worked directly with and then but I did do programming for the entire high school and sometimes I did programming for even the middle middle school and elementary schools but my primary focus were the juniors and seniors and and my goal every year was to make sure that 100% of my seniors had uh, a plan a post high school plan that involved again college university job military um, something and, and also, it was important to me that because of the students that I was working with, that they were able to do those things, um, acquiring as least debt as possible, right? Because that it, uh, can be <laughs> a really big deal for low-income communities to continuously take on more debt, especially mm-hmm. to, you know, go to an abstract university. Sometimes the value is not very apparent. Sloan, get off the camera. (laughs) Sorry. Um, And so, you know, when a family is evaluating whether or not they should send their kid off to Grand Valley, and that means that they're going to take out a $10,000 loan every year to send that kid, which ends up being $40,000, hoping that nothing else comes up, you know, Mm -hmm. during that four years. That's a really difficult decision for a a family who's already strapped, um financially to make and then now the kid is let down and their hope is crushed you know so i always worked really hard to make sure that um my students were choosing schools or programs that were the best fit for them and when we say fit we are talking about um not just academically but financially and socially and you know culturally, is this going to be a good place for you? Are you going to thrive here? Are they going to have the resources that you need um, in order to succeed at this school or this program? If not, then I always push my students to look at a different program. If I know my student struggles with math, for example, I'm specifically looking for a school that has help, extra help for students who need help with math. You know, that's really important. Um and again, least that is possible. We're going where the money is, right? And if we absolutely, you don't, you know, for whatever reason, wherever the money is, is absolutely not where you want to go. Um, Sloan, come here. Sorry. It's okay. <laughs> um, you know, I understand that that's not everyone's first choice where the mo- most money may come. And that means we just worked really hard to get as many scholarships to send the kids where they wanted to go. And that, again, would still be a good fit for them. So that was applying for some scholarships. <laughs> that was right. having individualized scholarship plans for each of my students. So, <sighs> excuse me.
0: I bet a lot of the girls there and the boys were um, very grateful and they benefited just for, by seeing you. A person who's from their background, who went to University of Michigan, who succeeded. Yeah.
1: I think um, so. I think so.
0: Because a lot of these students, I mean, I didn't have any role models that went to U of M or a top league yeah. school.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I think so, and um, I also try to bring in um, people into the school so they could see themselves. at either a college or in a career field that they were looking into um, because I know that representation is everything right like I wanted to be an attorney I didn't know any attorneys though and so in a way it was kind of an abstract idea um, until I met (laughs) uh an attorney who took me under her wing as a as her mentee and you know she was a black girl she was from Detroit Mm -hmm. and she was thriving in her career and I had never had that kind of exposure before um and it wasn't until she like I said took me under her wing that it became a real reality for me and I I could see myself in that role
0: yeah that's awesome just like Annalise now (laughs) that's my vision (laughs) yeah that's really important, um, yeah. and other schools have so many resources, like you talked about. Yeah. They, did you find yourself, um, as a college advisor, doing other stuff? Because I know, like, when you're in a low-income <sighs> school, you're dragged into, hey, just do this, because they don't have yeah. Like
1: that. Yeah, um, sometimes I was a little bit protected because I was oh, coming from a third-party program, mm-hmm. um, and so technically I was employed by the University of Michigan. Um okay. and I was just placed at a high school. And so I did do some things like I did uh lunch duty, which never was in my job description. <laughs> um I, you know, was chaperoned on field trips that had nothing to do with college related things, you know. Um I don't but not really too much else. Okay. Um I don't think I think I maybe had substituted once or twice. Oh, wow. Yeah. You know, for a class, but not too many other things. Um, formally, anyway, I think informally, a lot of the students did seek me out for, you know, just guidance and refuge because I was, you know, I was black. You know, um, my the school I worked at was the students were 99 percent black student population, but most of the teachers were not black. and so and so um we're in Detroit (laughs) so it's not like we're in you know a suburb somewhere um and so you know the students did seek me out for advice the students did you know cling to me and I don't know kind of looked at me in a role of you know someone they could trust Um, And I found myself advocating for the students a lot, even when it didn't involve, again, college related stuff. And um, I think some teachers also recognize that and would try to use, use, not use me, but Mm. um, they would ask me sometimes to kind of be a conduit you know in between the student and the teacher because i had a certain relationship with the students that the teachers didn't have Mm -hmm. um and so sometimes things came better from me or the students were willing to hear it from me um more than they would be willing to hear from other people and depending on what it was you know i may step in i may help sometimes i would say i was a student (laughs) you know and that was just kind of the that was just kind of the perspective i took on it um at the end of the day, I was there to serve the students. And if I didn't think something was in the best interest of the students, then I wouldn't, I would never support it.
0: That's awesome. Yeah. You had grounding. That's really good. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I, had, I mean, I had to, because, you know, again, here we are in a school that's 99% black student population and the people who are in charge of them are not black. And and mm-hmm. so sometimes those sensitivities are just not there and maybe it's intentional, maybe it's not. Um, but, when if you just don't understand this student then there's going to be an automatic you know lack of communication and distrust from both of you Mm -hmm. um and at the end of the day i think the role of education public, charter, what have you. I think the role of the education is to best service the students. It cannot be about the teachers. It can't be about the the image of the school or the school system. You know, it has to be what is in the best interest of the student. And that's how every decision should be made. It should, the question should be asked, what is going to serve the student? If it's going to be, you know, if us saving $10 on this book is not going to be in the best interest of the student, then we need to spend the extra $10
0: right um and i can't imagine how the kids feel when they see that sort of dichotomy where you know their teachers aren't you know of color like them because Mm -hmm. for me that would just feel as if hey my community isn't coming back to help me yeah seeing you and what you're doing through quad is so beneficial for them
1: yeah i um you know You realize a lot of things after the fact when you're doing the work, you're just trying to get the work done. And I was laser focused again on making sure that all of my students, all of my seniors had college program acceptances. They knew where they were going. It was going to be financed in a way that was reasonable for them. Um, I wasn't even really thinking about um, just even the impact of having me or a black representative from their community Mm -hmm. be the person that's helping them to do this to get this stuff done, um, and and after the fact, I did realize how big of a deal that was, largely because my students told me or their parents told me. Um, mm-hmm. And so, you know, even after, the, like I said, even after they graduated high school, we've stayed in touch. Um, they know they can ask me for help with anything. And it's even, I had have had students who were at college who had issues with their scholarships and stuff like that. And they would call me and say, hey, this is what's going on. Can you help me out? And, you know, I still had contacts um, through, you know, with all the, admissions or financial aid offices and it wasn't nothing for me to make a call you know and the students at the end of the day knew that I was going to advocate for them you know mm-hmm. something I always try to instill in my students and my mentees in general is you don't just take the first no right for an answer you get a no or you get a we're taking this or whatever you go back and ask them what you can do for it to be a yes you know we don't we don't just take no no is not that's not a we don't acknowledge that, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and also when the students, we got to think about these students here know all the time, right? Mm-hmm. So for someone to come and tell them, you don't have to take note anymore because you are worth whatever it is that you're asking for or whatever it is that you need. Um, and you really instill that and you show them how to fight and how to advocate for themselves. It makes a world of a difference because now they're calling me, they're telling me, You know, they may not have figured it out at the university, but they're calling me and they're able to say, I already asked the financial aid officer this, this, and this. I just need help. I just need you to help me do this, you know, and that makes a difference than not even knowing where to start.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I bet that parents, like you mentioned, that now they see someone who's like their kid who actually went through college. And I'm sure a lot of, you know, my mom never went to college. So seeing another, you know, young child going through that, being successful, is very beneficial for them.
1: Yeah, I hope so. I hope so. <laughs> and so I tried to bring in people who were from the community who had, you know, done similar things from high school to college level. And I tried to bring people who had went to different colleges than me, studied different things than me, because my students knew that about me, right? But yeah. I want to show them the world, and so different careers, different majors. Um, People who traveled different places, you know, just had done different things in general. Um, I tried to bring them in to just expose my students, and I always requested someone that was black. <laughs> and That's I was awesome. never ashamed of that um, because, especially the especially the schools that are here, the Michigan, um, you know, Detroit and the Metro Detroit area is largely where they recruit from. You know, they're gonna get most of their students from the Metro Detroit area. Um Regardless of what school in the state you know what school it is in the state, and so that means that you have someone that's local here in the city of Detroit that works with these students. I want that person i don't don 't send me the person that you send to the rural you know school because that doesn't serve my students and it doesn't serve your university they see that person they're going to be immediately turned off especially they're not able to to connect in a short period of time and most times those people are so disconnected from what our students are going through or our students lives that they're never going to be able to you know have that connection
0: right and non-people of color they get to see a myriad of people on television doing this and doing that. So we need, you know, intervention in our communities.
1: Yeah, (laughs) you know, (laughs) and I think too, Detroit is such a special place. um, Mm -hmm. And it's so unique in so many ways. And one of those ways is that it is predominantly black, right? Mm -hmm. And so it's very easy to be in what I call the black bubble growing up in the city of Detroit Um, and it's not until these students get to go away to college campuses that are not maybe in the city and even the ones that are in in the city and say, oh, other people, (laughs) you know, different cultures, different perspectives. And these things are not bad and you can learn from these people and you can learn from differences and it's not necessarily a threat to you. You know, it doesn't have to be anyway. So often when the city of Detroit or black people in the city of Detroit are put against, People who are from outside the city of Detroit, it is a threat, Um, and that's what you're taught, right? And that's what they want you to believe. They want you to believe that when you go to Dearborn. They want you to believe that when you go to Livonia. They want you to believe that when you go to Warren. That's what they want you to believe. So, trying to break that, you know, is another is a whole other thing. And so, just you know, again, trying to show them as much as possible, expose them to as much as possible, um, was really important to me.
0: That's awesome. Yeah, you sound like you did a great job and a lot of work. So. I, try. <laughs> I
1: try. I try. I uh, try.
0: Um, what are some success stories? You mentioned, you know, kids
1: calling you back again for scholarship. Yeah. Um, I mean, so many. <laughs> I, I have so many and they're going to be upset if they when they hear this and I pick, you know, anyone. But um, and I have one that I always talk about, so I won't talk about him uh Maybe I will, but um, I you know, I don't know. I had so many students that just either started off not wanting to go to college or you know, had wow. no idea at all about just you know, just kind of living and going through high school day to day and not really thinking like, oh, this is the end of my education, you know, from primary education, um, or secondary education, and like, there's nothing else that. The government, anyway, requires of me at this point, right? Like, at this after this, it's either it's just for me to figure out. Not really, that does not really, really register for some of the students. So, I either had kids next that had no idea or didn't want to go, and I and then they would go and they would get full oh, ride, t- full tuition scholarships to, you know, prestigious universities or just even universities that were the best fit for them, you know. And I think um, I had lots oh. of that did really well. And have, like I said, have graduated and have started careers and have moved across the country have traveled across the world
0: mm-hmm. and when i just
1: see that uh, it it makes me so proud because it's like you know you went from not even wanting to go to college to the only reason that you're even in you know south asia right now is because you're studying abroad mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's just great that's great um uh, I've had students just, just to even see my students blossom into who they are, who they are as adults is a great thing because it's like, like you're a completely different person than they were as a high school senior. Oh, goodness. If she wants to play, come here, please. Uh-huh. Come here. Uh-huh. Come here. Come here. All right she was let's just you, you can just be here you want she likes to have attention on her um yeah so I think just even seeing my students like I said become who are who they're going to be and becoming their own person and that you know just living life full out that's mm-hmm. the most beautiful thing to me um I had a couple, I had uh, one student get the Gates Millennium Scholarship. That was a huge wow. highlight for me. Um, you know, it's like one of, I think, a hundred people or something like that yeah. in the country. So, That's you know, that was cool. a huge deal that I, I I hand-selected that student to apply for that scholarship Aww. based on the requirements. And at first he was just really defeated about it and, you know, was self-selecting out because, you know, they're never going to pick a kid from Detroit, a black kid from Detroit mm. for this scholarship and I'm like they pick a black kid every year <laughs> from Detroit <laughs> you know and I'm just like you could be that kid you you qualify you meet the requirements and if we work really hard on this application I think that you can get it you know and we did we worked really hard we spent at least a month every day on that application and when he got to the I think finalist, semi finalist rounds they kind of do it in three rounds um you do I think they do it in three rounds? So I think once he got to like the second round, he was like, "You may get the scholarship." And I'm like, <laughs> "You may get this scholarship," <laughs> you know. And he ended up getting it, and it was a great thing. Um, I had other students apply, but he was the only one that, you know. I probably when I started off, I probably had maybe four or five students that were eligible for the application for the scholarship, and I think I only had two that actually finished because it's, it's a pretty it's a robust application um and then you know at the time I think it was like 10 essays or something it was oh it was God. it was a pretty hefty one and so it really did take commitment um and you know I think I had two that finished the application and I and one got in. so that was that was um that was really great for me
0: yeah just yeah. having someone see you is tremendous and a lot of these kids yeah. don't
1: yeah i tell them the so the recruiter that recruited me from the for the university of michigan ended up being a great mentor to me oh, um nice. and he was at the time the um director of admissions for the detroit office and and so you know he he came into our high school he knew like i said he had the people based on grades or whatever it was. And he really pushed for us to be admitted. He really pushed for us to get scholarships. Um, He really advocated for us. And, you know, like I said, he became a mentor to me after that. And so still to this day, he's a mentor. And I just tell him all the time, you know, you gave us a chance, you know, and that's all these kids need is someone to give them a chance. And sometimes that chance looks like more than just saying, Yeah, you can come to our school. Sometimes that looks like making sure they have the resources that they need to be successful at that school as well. That's what a Mm -hmm. real chance is. Right. Just saying, yeah, you can come doesn't serve that student if at the end of the day they're going to struggle because they're so, you know, it's such an unfamiliar setting to them. So, um, you know, I tried to give my students a chance, Mm -hmm. whatever I could do to remove barriers or you know, make them smaller at least and really, really increase the chances of them succeeding. I, I tried and I, I did my best. Um, and I hope that they feel that way. But I really was just wanted them to have the chance. And I think mm-hmm. for a lot of them, you know, doing the hard work and going the extra mile to make sure they did, it, it served them well. You know, I, I would tell my kids all the time, you know, I don't want to put the pressure on you in this way, but um you have the opportunity right now right at this moment to change the trajectory of your family for generations wow you know and that's a big deal and so it wasn't just i want to make you better i want to give your family a chance i want to change the trajectory of what your family lineage may or may not be you know by just giving you a chance, by giving you the chance, you can change your family's lives, mm-hmm. right? And again, not so much as to put the pressure on them, but also to make them realize that they were uniquely situated and were given an opportunity that a lot of students are not given. Mm-hmm. Kids drop out of high school every day. And, you know, we know from merit from and from the faith program, it's like mm-hmm. one kid in every, like, something seconds it's like 90 seconds I think it's not long <laughs> it's right that drops out of high school it's like you finishing high school is a big deal you yep. going on something else is even bigger of a deal you know so yep. let's think about that
0: mm-hmm. I'm sure they have little brothers and sisters that look up exactly. to them. just exactly. how you looked up to your mom finishing school and going through yeah that. yeah so that's for amazing.
1: sure. for and sure
0: as a non-black person when I see and I'm an immigrant as well when I see black people prosper and getting chances it makes me feel like I can myself because that's just how it is
1: yeah I mean and I understand that 100% because it's you know it's unfortunately you know at a lot of times we're the bottom of the barrel and so Mm -hmm. we're literally fighting and crawling upward and um what I what I hope to show my students and just people who the kids that i work with in general or let me stop calling them kids they hate when i call them kids (laughs) the young people that i (laughs) that i you know get to i have the pleasure of getting to know um is that we can all do this together right Mm -hmm. we can all win it doesn't have to be just one of us winning or just one you know 10 of us pushing one person over the edge like we can all go over the edge if we work together And, you know, we put our minds together. We're stronger together. And so it doesn't have to be a competition. It doesn't have to be a crabs in a barrel mentality. You know, why don't we all work together so we can all be better across the board? You know, because the more of us that do that, the better that our communities will be.
0: Yes, for sure. Um, So with Quad Advising, what more do you want to do, if anything?
1: (gasps) (laughs) <laughs> COVID, so you know, I'm like, COVID really mm. screwed things up, man. We had this, we were going into our third or fourth program year. And I can't remember because we started as a for-profit company
0: mm. and then
1: we changed over to a 501c3 with the mission of being able to give our services for free. And so that happened, I believe in 2008. 2000- 17. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and so we were going into our third, I think, programming year, and we had really great, awesome things planned um, because we plan our calendar based on the school's calendar because, you know, that's when our students are most active for college advising anyway. So um, we had big things planned, and COVID came in March, and then it, everything had to stop. The planning had to stop anyway because. The schools didn't know what was happening, you know. Oh. Our planning and our programming is all dependent on the school systems and when the schools are either in school or when they're not in school or what they're doing. You know, we're we are based on the high school school calendar, and so once COVID hit and the schools were sent home or put on pause or what have you, um, that changed for we we couldn't we have one we didn't have any direction from the school system or from the universities because they didn't know you know mm-hmm. and they didn't know well into the summer and so there was just no way for us to plan the way we normally would have planned and had our stuff ready to roll out um at the top of august there was just no way to do that and so we tried to kind of scramble and just come up with something um but everything was changing every day <laughs> so every day the kids are going back to school. Then they weren't going back to school. The universities yeah. were having in-person learning. Then they weren't having in-person learning. You know, that changes the advice that we can give. That changes how we can advise because we don't know what to tell them, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and for, you know, for example, a college application or even a scholarship, they want to see test scores. Well, the juniors didn't take the tests because of COVID, you know. Mm-hmm. So they normally take the, the SAT or the ACT in um, March or April the kids were not in school in March and April. So they had to, you know, figure out how they were going to get all the kids tested. Um, and so, again, how we would plan, we don't know how to even respond to that um, or to know how, you know, we're asking the universities, we're asking the colleges, when are, are the applications still going to be, you know, the cycle going to be the same? Are you going to require a test score? Are you, how are you going to give out Um, scholarships because normally the scholarships are based off of ACT and GPAs. Well, a lot of schools, uh, a lot of high schools didn't give grades for the last semester, you know? And so that greatly impacts what that kid's GPA may have been at the end of their junior year, opposed to them not having a grade for that semester, you know? Mm So, so much got halted or, thrown away (laughs) completely Mm -hmm. and instead of just rushing and putting anything out we just decided to wait until it made time until it made sense to do it and now I think we have a better idea even if Students are not going to be in person again for another semester or even another school year. We've been through it now and we have a little bit more uh, better understanding of, oh, okay. you know, you know what to expect or at least how to pivot. You know, we just couldn't do it fast enough because it was just changing so much. So I think we're really looking forward to doing a webinar series that we were planning. Um, we're going to keep offering, we're going to keep producing our scholarship list. We're going to keep offering free um, essay revision services. Um, I want to get into scholarships. I want to maybe um, this coming fall have our first scholarship that we actually wow. give give out to students. Um, we were doing f- an annual, uh, annual fundraiser, but again, weren't able to do that and mm-hmm. just wasn't able to change enough in enough time to even be able to fundraise this year so we missed out on a whole year of fundraising basically um but you know i i i think we still have a lot of work that we can do and we can still serve some purpose and until we can't until i have absolutely no kids looking for help i think I'm, i'm we will try to do our best
0: yeah. Well, those, yeah. those are awesome goals. I'm excited yeah. for that scholarship. That's a yeah, big me too. deal.
1: Yeah, I'm, excited. I'm
0: yeah. excited. Well, on top of that, you will work full time. So yeah. <laughs> thank you so much for sitting with me. Um, no I thank you. had a great time and I know you're a busy, busy, busy lady. So thank you.
1: Thank you for having me. Um, I am really looking forward to like said, this programming ready to be rolled out. And it won't be nearly as robust this you know, part of the year as it will be in the fall. But um, it will still be so that's relevant and stuff that students can use and hopefully that's helpful for their families. And so I'm really excited about it. Um, you know, this has been a crazy, well, last year, you know, we're in 2021 <laughs> now. 2020 <laughs> was a crazy year for everyone. Um, and I, I, I'm hoping and praying for great things for 2021. Um, and... And I hope that Quad, um, I hope that Quad is able to continue our work in the in the community. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I hope so too. And you've already done an amazing job. So thank
1: you.